Hey, Victory, Summer and I are almost finished with our sabbatical, and we are so excited to be back with you guys so soon. So for this weekend, across all of our Victory campuses, I was kind of asking myself, who could be the one who could bring the word? Well, here's the deal. In my life, there are really only two men who I call pastor. One is Pastor Dennis Rouse, the founding pastor of this church. And number two is Pastor James Meeks. So I was able to meet Pastor James just a few years ago uh, when I began my Wheaton master's degree class. There was a man in the, in the class who just had so much wisdom, so much knowledge. And I was like, I need to get to know this guy a little bit better. And over those few years, he became a friend. He and his wife became friends to Summer and I. He became a mentor and he really did become a pastor to me. And so Victory, I am so excited about today and who is going to bring the word. So today, let's all extend a very warm Victory welcome to Pastor James Meeks. Well, good morning, Victory. I am here to verify the fact that Johnson Bowie did graduate. <laughs> I was there. I took all the pictures. He did graduate. I'm here to tell you that he was a tremendous student. He wrote a lot of great A papers, and they really helped both of us. <laughs> if you're going to copy, sit next to the guy that you think will get the right answers. And so I graduated too. <laughs> and I am very excited to be here. Now, I, I was told that this is the energized service. Well, that is fantastic. First of all, let me uh, introduce my wife come Christmas Day of 44 years. Jamel is here. In uh, 44 years, well, actually, we've dated five years before that. So we've been together how many years? 49. I just test your math skills right there. And uh, in 49 years, we've never broken up one day. Amen. That's because she knows that everything I say is right. <laughs> So I am happy to uh, have her here today. My first cousin is here, and I'm so excited to see he and his wife. We, he's here. He lives in this area. So let me say that in January of this year, after pastoring for 43 years, I retired, which means that uh, I haven't spoken in about seven months, and so... You're in store for a long sermon. <laughs> but no, having retired seven uh, months ago has helped me to understand and appreciate, and I hope that you value the founding pastor of this church, Pastor Dennis. It is not an easy decision to uh, found a church, build a church, and then hand the church off. And Pastor Dennis has been such an example 
to the matter of fact, he's been such an example to me. I followed in his footsteps <laughs> and uh, such an example. And every time you see him here on this campus or one of the other campuses, please make sure that you spend some extra special time in giving him the love that he deserves as a founder, because if it were not for he and Pastor Colleen, none of this would be. Amen. I thank the Lord for your pastor, Pastor Johnson Bowie. I don't see what he sees in me as a person of wisdom. Um, but, I, but, but he did give me some cool gym shoes. <laughs> no, these are not the gym shoes that I have on. He has given me some cool gym shoes. Have you ever had something that was so cool that you be trying to figure out when you're going to wear them? Like, when are you going to bust them out? I have not found a cool place yet. <laughs> that I, I started to wear them here, but I decided y'all ain't cool enough. <laughs> Man, there's some bad shoes. But I do invite people by my house to just look at them. <laughs> and they say the same thing. And them some cool shoes, man. So one day I'm going to find a place so that I can wear those cool shoes. But I am so excited to be here. Amen. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, thank you for giving us a Sunday to gather together around your word. Your word is true, and we believe it. And so now be our teacher and our preacher. Teach us what grace looks like. Thank you for loving unlovable people like us. Thank you for caring for us. We yield to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Samuel chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. It says, and David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Zeba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Zeba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. I want to talk about for no reason for no reason will you turn to the person next to you and say for no reason after church after church when they ask you why did you turn to me and say that just tell for no reason <laughs> for no reason he told me to do it I don't know why for no reason listen we live in a world where people we don't trust each other. Amen. We, we, we live in a world where we question the motives of other people. We just can't believe, nor can we conceive of anybody being nice to us for no reason. If somebody was nice to you, you would think there's some strings attached. If somebody's nice to you, you think something was up. 
Because usually we believe that ain't nobody just nice for no reason. Amen. So, so, so we had a campaign called For No Reason. And uh, we had these buttons made. I have mine on now for, for no reason. Uh, well, I got it's, it's a reason because I wanted to show it to you. <laughs> the button says for no reason. So, so we're in this campaign. We were in this campaign called For No Reason. And so we were doing acts of kindness to people. We were just being nice for no reason at all as a church. And so we decided that we were just going to buy gas for people. We were going to buy gas. We went out and bought these uh, $50 gas cars, and we stood at the gas station, and we were saying, hey, we are from Salem Baptist Church of Chicago, and we'd like to uh, put this $50 worth of gas in your car. And people were just, I don't want that. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. We at the gas station. You at the gas station. You came here to buy gas. We're telling you, here's a card. $50 is free. No, no, no. Be because people think that something's up. Because we don't believe that nobody can just do things. We don't believe it. So we go to the grocery store. We say, okay, the gas station didn't work. And listen, it was during the time, it was during the time you remember a few years ago when gas was like $8 million a gallon? But people, so, so we go to the grocery store. We go to the grocery store. And so we're at the grocery store, and, and we wait until people, uh, the cashier rings up all of their grocery. Cashier rings up all of their grocery. And then when the cashier, we spring out. <laughs> Just come out of nowhere, like... Hi, we're Salem Baptist Church of Chicago, and we would like to pay for your... No, don't pay for my grocery. No, no. I pay for my own grocery. You don't have to pay for my grocery. And, and people, they, just, they wouldn't accept. They couldn't believe that somebody would just do something for no reason. They just wouldn't. Be. People would pay for their own. Now, they're in the grocery store. They brought grocery. We got free money. And I think that people think ain't no such thing as free money. Because with everything, we think that some strings must be attached. Even in our own family, I mean, the people that you know, people that you love, your husbands and wives, husbands and wives, husbands and wives. You let a husband come home this afternoon with some flowers. Folk been married 30 years. Huh? He, he come home with some flowers. Rather than say, oh, honey, I'm she going to say, what you, what you do? <laughs> because we just can't conceive of. We can't get it in our head that people can be kind for no reason. It, 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 it's just not in our makeup. Now, watch this. I believe that that's why it's difficult for most people to become Christians. And I believe that that is why it is hard for us to accept the love of Jesus Christ. Because we just can't conceive of somebody doing something for us for no reason. You see, in order to become a Christian, Christianity says that 
God took the sins of the world. God took your sins, my sins, and he placed them all on Jesus. Poor Jesus hadn't done nothing. As a matter of fact, uh, he was innocent. He, he had no sins of his own. And God took all of your sins and all of my sins and placed them on Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross and the death that you should have died and the death that I should have died, Jesus took our place and he voluntarily died in our place. And then for no reason, he chose us to take his righteousness so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. You better be glad he doesn't see you. When God looks at you, he only sees the righteousness of his own son. Now, I came today, my assignment is to remind you that God loves you. I said God loves you. Will you tell the person next to you God loves you? Will you tell the person next to you God loves me? Now, listen, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. They did the same thing in the last service. Why was God loves me so much louder than God loves you? When I say, say to the person next to you, God loves you, you know what you did? God loves you. God, God loves you. Then I say, say God loves me. God loves me. Well, you better know that God loves you. Amen. Amen. Look, times are tough. Times are tough. You better know that God loves you. In spite of you, uh, God loves you. Uh, my favorite disciple in the Bible is John. 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 And, and John in the Bible says that he identifies himself as the disciple that Jesus loves. Now, catch this. There is no other book in the Bible there's no other gospel writer says John is the disciple that Jesus loved. The only one who calls John the disciple that Jesus loved is John. And you better know that Jesus loves you. If other people don't know Jesus loves you, if they won't say that Jesus loves you, if they won't get with the Jesus loves you program, you better get with the Jesus loves me program. Let me hear you say Jesus loves me. Amen. Amen. He loves you. He loves you. He'll never stop loving you. He'll never stop. And let me tell you this. He loves you for no reason. There is nothing that you did to earn that love. You didn't buy it. You didn't pay for it. There is nothing you ever could have done. He that, that's why you, I don't want you thinking that he stopped loving you. Because you see, uh, I think most people are real hard on themselves. And most of us know us. And even though the person sitting next to you don't know you've been a jerk this week. You know you've been a jerk this week. And we are hard on ourselves and we're thinking that since we know what we did this week and God know what we did this week, that maybe God feels, uh-uh, he still loves you. He loves you. And he loves you for no reason. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, let's look at that. Look, look at what God did, and we have to accept the fact that God did this for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God took Jesus, who had no sins, took our sins, placed them on Jesus, so that we could be made righteous. Hallelujah. And then God chose us, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, God chose us according, there it is on the board, as he had chosen us, you read, in him. Well, we rehearse one more time. I'm starting, then I'm going to say, you read, then you're going to read your part. <laughs> according as he has chosen us in him before, you read. All right. God chose you before you join victory. He chose you before you got baptized. He chose you before you paid tithes. He chose you before you fasted. Fasting ain't till next week. You're a Christian this week. God has chosen us before we did anything. So you, you cannot say, and this is why it's hard for most people to become a Christian, you cannot say that it was, this is what people like to do. People like to say, God looked in your heart and he saw that you was going to be a good, you ain't no good person. <laughs> you ain't no good person. Stop, stop fooling yourself. Stop deceiving yourself. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who could know it? God didn't just look in your heart and decide he was going to save you because you was going to be a good person. No, God chose you for no reason. He chose you because God is love. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you and I, he made us. All right. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. It says, for God commended his love toward us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He did not wait for us to become Christians. He did not wait for us to become part of victory. He did not wait for us to give. He didn't wait for us to develop some, a good heart. God just loved us, and he loves us for no reason. I think that it's because we don't know how grace looks. And I think that because we don't understand grace, we don't even worship God the way we should. The, the, I, I listened, I stood here and listened to the uh, worship leader had to tell us about 82 times, raise our hands. Raise your hand, ra raise your hand. You know, uh, when we understand grace and when we understand how messed up we are, and how messed up we were, and how far away from God we are, and for no reason God loves us, gave his son for us, saved us. Nobody had to beg us to raise our hand. Nobody has to beg us to clap. Nobody has to beg us to say hallelujah. Nobody has to beg us to say thank you, Jesus. When we understand grace, and grace is for no reason. Are you with me so far? In this text that I read, 2 Samuel, uh, this is describing what I hope we see at the end of this, 
a picture of how grace looks. It, it, it's showing us what God actually did for us. In the text in 2 Samuel, we meet David. David is the second king of Israel. David, the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. Amen, amen. Two people here read the Bible. <laughs> Thank you, two, for coming to church. Matter of fact, they're the same two that were here this morning that I invited to come back to this service. David was a man after God's own heart, which means that if his heart is like God's heart, then he has to do some stuff that like God would do. Amen? And, and, and if your heart is like God's heart, then that means we're going to have to do some stuff like God would do for no reason. Amen. Amen. That's where I'm going in this. So there was a first king of Israel. His name was what? Very good. Now. Pastor Dennis taught y'all that. Johnson didn't teach y'all that. Johnson didn't teach y'all that. His name was Saul. The first king was Saul. Saul hated David. Three times Saul straight out tried to kill David. So when Saul dies, David becomes king. Now, normally, when the new king comes to the throne, the very first thing he does with all the family members of the old king is what? Kill him. Try to kill him. Amen. He tries to kill the old king's family. Anybody know why? So, 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 so that they won't get their lawyer <laughs> and lawyer up. And then march into the king's palace. What are they talking about? You know, you know, our uncle was the king, you know, and we, we got some papers. And really, this throne belongs to us. This, you know, we are the Ying dynasty. And so, <laughs> we Yings, this belongs to us. So, usually what they do is you, when you come to the throne, you kill all the family members of, of, of the old king. So, after David has been king for a while, after some time has passed, David has doubled the size of Israel's army. David has become the wealthiest, richest man in the known world. He has conquered all the cities in and around him. Then David asked this question. David said, verse 1, is there yet any left of the house of Saul? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because as soon as he asked that question, his boy said, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I didn't know how long it was going to take. I didn't know when it was going to happen. But I knew dude was coming after them dudes. I knew. I knew dude. I knew old king. I knew, I knew king. I knew king was coming after the old king's family. Then they rewound it and listened to the tape again. You know, sometimes you got to do that. Some, sometimes you got to rewind. You got to take the, take the, that was me rewinding the tape. Dude, you know, some, sometimes you got to take the tape back. And listen again. Listen to what David said again as we rewind it. David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, watch, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Wait a minute, David. You ain't supposed to be showing kindness to the old king's kinfolk. You're supposed to be getting rid of them. But that's not what David said. 
he said he wanted to show them kindness. He said, I'm looking for a member of Saul's family so that I could be nice to him because of the relationship that I had with Jonathan. Relationship is the reason you're going to heaven. Hallelujah. I said relationship is the reason you're going to heaven. Because you are related or because you are in a relationship to God's son, that relationship causes you the right to ask anything in the name of God's son and it shall be given to you. Huh? It's not because of our goodness, our kindness. It's because of who we know. It's because who we are related to. Are you with me here? All right, so, so, so one, 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 one guy said that we found in Saul's house a servant whose name is Ziba. That's verse 2. And they said Ziba might be able to tell us is there a, a, a relative of Saul. All right, so um, David calls him and says, hey, are you Ziba? He said, yeah, I'm Ziba. He said, let me ask you the same question I asked in verse 1. So look at verse 3, which is the same question from verse 1. And the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show? Now he changes it. The kindness of God. Now, the kindness of God is a kindness for no reason. Huh? That, that, that's godly kindness. Godly kindness is to be kind, to be good for no reason. We got a problem with people being good for no reason because we ain't used to it. We, we, we don't see it. But I came to tell you that if you can't find anybody that you don't trust because you don't trust people's motives or you don't believe that anybody can be kind for no reason, I came to tell you that God is good for no reason. Amen. Amen. Zeba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. All right. Now we're on, we're on our way somewhere. He said, there is a family member of Saul's left, but Saul's family member got some issues. Saul's family member got some deficiencies. Saul's family member, he don't have it all together. He, he's crippled. He, he's lame in his feet. Verse 4, David asked the question about his whereabouts. King said unto him, where is he? And Zeba said unto the king, behold, he is in the house of Machia, the son of Amiel, well, actually, he's in Lodibar. He's in Lodibar. Lodibar means the house of no bread. He's living in a slum. Uh, Lodibar is where the poor and the uneducated lived. Lodibar is where the unemployed and the unemployable live. Now, it's bad enough to live in Lodibar on a good day. But the man that David is looking for got some issues. Let me hear you say some issues. Ask the person next to you, do you have issues? Don't wait for an answer. Don't wait for an answer. You can't wait for an answer because they ain't going to be true. They ain't going to be truthful. 
Amen. They give it to you. And you can't wait for an answer because we don't have that long. We got another service. <laughs> He's living in a place called Lodi Bar. That, that's the slum of the slum. That's where the poor people are. And not only is he living in Lodibar, but he's a crippled in poverty. So I don't know what kind of job he had. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what kind of job he had. I can only imagine. Maybe he picked up cans. Maybe you, you've seen people out before uh, picking up cans, no education, no job. No. Maybe he picked up cans. I don't know. Maybe he was a beggar on the street. Maybe, I don't, I don't, I don't know it would, maybe he, he, he dug through trash. Maybe he dug through trash looking for stuff that he could salvage. I remember when I took our choir to Egypt, I took our choir to Egypt and we went to sing in the famed temple in Cairo and we were there uh, as a guest of the Egyptian government and we were singing in Cairo and I found out that there were some people, uh, are the phones going off again? Amber, you know what you know what that is, don't you? It, it, it's been real hot down here for in, in Atlanta for a while. I, I started not to come because I didn't know if y'all was going to hell or, or what. <laughs> and I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. And, and, and I thought y'all may have been in training school or something. And, and y'all was having some kind of training for the big day. And. Uh, I almost declined this invitation because I'm going to heaven. Y'all, it's been hot down here. So I thought maybe that was the signal for all y'all to get up and go somewhere or something. Whichever way y'all went, I was going the other way. I was, <laughs> was going to get my wife. Come on, honey. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. We, we going the other way. Narrow is the way that leadeth to salvation. And few there be that find it. So, we're in Egypt with the choir. We go there to sing uh, this, this, this fantastic festival. We were guests of the government. But, but I found out that right outside of Cairo, there were people called garbage people. And what they did was all of the garbage in Cairo, Egypt, there's this area where they dump all the garbage in Cairo, all of Cairo's garbage is dumped there. These people live there and salvage through the city's garbage waste, looking for stuff to live on or sell. Well, before I would allow the choir to go sing in this famed, whatever this thing is we had been invited for, we went to sing to the garbage people because God don't have no garbage people. Are you with me? God, God done that. And I said to them, we're unfit. We're unfit to stand on the stage in the big festival if we can't go sing to the garbage people. Amen. So, so, so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what this uh, person was doing. All I know is whatever their life was, it must have been miserable. Okay, we learn more from the Bible about this person. In 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, we get a name. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. We, 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 we get a name. You ready? All right, 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Johnson ain't here for me to cheat off his paper, so I got to find it on my own. 
And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame on his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Let me hear you say Mephibosheth. 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 Let's try it again. Mephibosheth. All right. Now, now the kid has a name. His name is Mephibosheth. And uh, his name means shame. Why would his mama do him like that? She named, you know that he was doomed for some kind of, his name means shame. Could you imagine walking around when everybody, you know they picked on him. As a little kid, his name meant shame. Not only that, the text tells us when he was five years old, his nurse had him. She was running with him. She dropped him. And he, his name already means shame. And now his nurse dropped him, and he became lame in both his feet. At the time of the text, all of his family, they're dead. He doesn't have any living relatives. He's picking up trash. He lives in Lodibar, a place of no bread. He, he has no living. He's destitute. He's at, he ain't even at rock bottom. He's past the rock. He's past the rock. And all, he has no future. He has no hope. He has victory. No way out of his situation at all until we get to verse 5. You with me? Nine, verse nine, chapter 9, verse 5. The king, King David, sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. So, Mephibosheth. Is there? I don't know if he's going through cans, uh, picking up garbage. I don't know. Maybe he made it home uh, after a hard day's work. And all of a sudden, he hears Mephibosheth. People calling him, Methy. <laughs> you know, your boy is always going to give you a nickname. Like, you know, <laughs> ain't nobody going to be saying Mephibosheth. That, that's too long. That's too long. It's too long. It's too much. Matthew! Matthew, some people here looking for you. Matthew, 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 some people here asking about you. And then he peeks out the window, and he look out the window, and there's this big old chariot with the king's insignia on it. Big old horses and horsemen and chariots. And they saying, we looking for Mephibosheth. We looking for Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth say, well, depend on who asking. <laughs> what do he do? <laughs> they say, you Mephibosheth? He said, I'm, I'm Mephibosheth. They said, the king is looking for you. The king, me? King David. As a matter of fact, they pull out their long sheets. King David 
has requested the honor of your presence in the royal palace. Good God Almighty. Look at Mephibosheth. As they take him out of his little bungalow, put him up in the king's chariot. He's sitting in the chariot by himself, looking around out the window, pinching himself, have I died? <laughs> He's saying, good God Almighty, I wish this was 2000, I'd have a cell phone to, to go live. <laughs> Man, I can't even go live. Cell phones ain't here yet. If I could go live, everybody could see me sitting up in this chair. But now, ain't nobody gonna believe this. <laughs> he, he's in this chariot, couldn't have ever gotten there on his own. But now he gets to the palace. And verse 6, now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, behold thy servant. Now, he did right to fall down because now he's in front of the king. Whenever you get in front of the king, you have to show some respect for the king that you're in front of. Are you with me? You, you're not equal to the king. You're not on the same level of the king. As a matter of fact, you couldn't get, he couldn't get to the king unless he had been sent for. Are you with me here? And you and I come in here every Sunday and we stand in front of the king and we have our arms folded as if we're doing somebody a favor. I came to tell you that whenever the king is present, your hands have to go up, your mouth have to open up, and you have to say hallelujah, praise you, thank you, because you're not on the same level with the king. Don't ever get in the presence of the king and act like you've earned the right to be there or you deserve the right to be there. No, you are in the presence of the king because the king has decided to wake you up this morning. The king has decided to give you breath to breathe. That's why I let everything that had breath praise the Lord and that's why the redeemed of the Lord got to say so because if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, where would we be? One minute, he's in the slums of Lodibar. One minute, he's picking trash out the garbage can. Now he is in front of the king. He's on his knees doing reverence. King David said to him, fear not. He said, I don't want you to be scared because I'm going to show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. In other words, Mephibosheth, relationship got you here. You are here because of relationship. Not because of anything you've done. Not because you deserve it. Matter of fact, you ain't here for no reason of your own. You are here because of who you are related to. 
uh, my, my, my son, my son, uh, uh, I got a son, and uh, I used to be the principal of our school. Our school, uh, I was principal for 21 years. And uh, there was a kid who was trying to get to me. He had some important stuff he, he wanted to talk about, and, but he couldn't get there. He couldn't figure out how he could get there. But he and my son were good friends. And so he went and told my son, he said, I need to see your daddy. He said, there's something going on that I think that he's the only guy that can fix it. Well, my son brought this kid to my office. My son didn't knock with his rude self. He did not. When he came in, it was a table full of people. Everybody was sitting there in a meeting. My son squoze past all of them, dropped his friend in front of me, and then didn't leave it to his friend. My son explained the issue so that I can handle it right away. Now, I give credit to the kid. And the reason I give credit to the kid, because he knew that the way to get to me was through my son. And I'm here to tell you that God has fixed it, that you and I can get to him, not based on our goodness, not based on anything we've done, but if we come in the name of his son, if we use his son's name, if we say to God, now it ain't because of me, I ain't no good, but because of my relationship with your son, I'm bringing my petition to you. God said that whatever we ask in the name of his son, he's duty bound to hear us because of relationship. David said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I had a relationship with your daddy. And guess what? He said, Mephibosheth looked at him and said, I'm getting ready to hook you up. He said, I'm getting ready to hook you up. He said, I'm getting ready to show you kindness. I'm going to give you, watch this now. You ain't going to believe it. You ain't going to believe it. I'm going to give you all the land of your grandfather. All the land. Now here he is, he's sitting there picking up trash and cans one minute, and now his grandfather used to be the king. Can you imagine how much land he just got? He said, I'm going to give you all the land. So you're going to have to find somebody to handle the land because you ain't going to have to work it because I want you to come live with me. And I want you to eat bread at my table. Mephibosheth is from a place called Lodibar, the house of no bread. David is from Bethlehem. Bethlehem means the house of bread. You have gone from the house of no bread to the house of bread in one swoop. Mephibosheth said, watch this. Mephibosheth said, uh, he bowed himself and said, what is thy servant? that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am. Mephibosheth said, I ain't nobody. I ain't, I ain't nobody. I'm just a poor crippled boy from Lodibar. How in the world did I get from there to the palace? How did I get? He got there, you all, for no reason. He got there because of a relationship that David had with somebody else. And I want you to know today, you are Mephibosheth. Let me hear you say, I am Mephibosheth. I don't want you to fool yourself and think that you somebody. 
I don't want you to fool yourself to think that you're really that good and you got a good heart and you're that. No, no, all of us, me, you, Pastor Dennis, all of us, we were Methibosheth. And God looked at us and said, I'm going to hook you up. I got some kindness for you. <laughs> Pastor Meeks, wait a minute. Didn't you say he was crippled? Yeah, you were too. You were too. By, by the way, you were crippled by a fall too. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, you were in Adam and Eve. When they fell, you fell too. We were born in sin. We were shaped in iniquity. In sin did our mothers conceive us. When God found us, we were in Lodibar. When God found us, we had been messed up. We were jacked up. We were crippled by a fall. But God looked, up, looked at us, and for no reason, he chose us in himself. I want to show you one last scripture, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Here it is, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace. Are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is what? What is it? Gift. How much do you pay for a gift? I heard the pastor stand here a minute ago and say to all of our visitors, I want you to go out there and we have a gift for you. There's not a visitor here who's expecting to get to that counter and then they say $29.95. If it's $29.95, you don't have a gift for me. It's something that I'm paying for. Well, I came by to tell you that your salvation is a gift from God. God gave it to you for no reason. You did not buy it. You did not earn it. It is a gift from God. The wages of sin is, but the gift of God, eternal life, gift of God, eternal life, your going to heaven is a gift that God gave you for no reason at all. Is there anybody here that could say hallelujah? Is there anybody here that could say thank you, Jesus? Well, if God could be good to us for no reason at all, then God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That means you and I should have the ministry of for no reason at all. Why should I love people for no reason at all? Because you have been loved for no reason at all. Why should I forgive people for no reason at all? Because you have been forgiven for no reason at all. Why should I help people for no reason at all? Because you have been helped for no reason at all. Why should I comfort people for no reason at all? Because you have been comforted for no reason at all. If God could love us, for no reason, then we ought to leave this auditorium and we ought to spread the love of God for no reason at all, for no reason at all, because we have been brought with a price. We have been saved by grace. We have been loved for no reason. Let us love for no reason. Let us love for no reason, because we have been loved for no reason at all.